And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Forum Club. I'm your co-host, Yovan Buha, joined by my other co-host, Bill Orem. Bill, how are you doing? Doing great, Yovan. Uh, good to see your face again. Last saw you, let's see, just a few hours ago at Staples Center after a very weird uh, Lakers win against the Rockets, and then we'll be back there uh, on Thursday to see the Thunder again. So um, a busy week in Lakerland, just catching a little uh, catching a little off day here between games. So the Lakers have won three games in a row and five of their last six, and I think there was some panic with the way the season started, the zero and six preseason, losing to the Warriors and the Suns, dropping that game in OKC, which still to me is inexcusable, but uh, I think. That is kind of in the rear view right now. I mean, I, I know it's been a relatively easy schedule and they're supposed to beat the Rockets and the Cavs and they're going to play the Thunder again on Thursday. Uh, but where where are you at with where this team with where this team is at, right? Where eight games in, five and three, uh, top ten offense. They've actually crept up defensively up to sixteenth now after being in the bottom five for uh the, the first few games. So you know, zooming out macro lens of this season, eight games in, what are some of your thoughts? Well, I'm still in wait and see mode, I think, because of uh, what you alluded to with the schedule. We really haven't seen the Lakers beat a, a really good team yet this year. Memphis is kind of a, a mid-level good team, probably a, a back-end playoff team in the West, obviously with a lot of talent. Um, they, they snuck by them. But otherwise, you know, the Lakers have lost to the other good teams they've played, Phoenix and, and Golden State early on. And, and they've kind of, you know, gotten by against these these lower uh these lower caliber teams so uh i'm looking ahead to when the schedule picks up a little bit here uh starting this weekend going to portland i know portland struggled that's always been a tough matchup for the lakers um and then you get miami next week and then the big road trip going to milwaukee boston and so forth so i am uh i am excited to start seeing some of those games where i think we might get a better sense but also the lakers still aren't healthy you know they're still missing so many players that we don't really have a sense of what this is going to look like when they're healthy. I mean, how much is Austin Reeves going to be playing uh, when the Lakers, you know, have, have their guys available? Probably not at all. You know, Malik Monk has been up and down, but he's been kind of an important piece of their offense. Uh, probably not the case when Wayne Ellington, THT, Trevor Ariza are all healthy, but, you know, by December. So um, it's really hard to make sense of what the Lakers are going to be, especially if you're just looking for evidence that they are, you know, the favorite in the West, because so far they haven't looked like the favorite in the West, but you can excuse that in part because of the guys they've had out and because, you know, of, of the way the schedule has been stacked, but you know, it is concerning that they had the letdown against Oklahoma city. It's concerning that they're squeaking by teams like San Antonio, Cleveland, and, uh, and, and Houston last night. I mean, that was, you know, that was a, the game that they trailed for most of it until a big fourth quarter from LeBron. And then they nearly lost it um, 
and there would have been some controversy, obviously, if they had lost. But, you know, um, Kevin Porter Jr. had a three-pointer that would have given Houston a one-point uh, one um, win. But actually, I do want to talk to you about this controversy. Like, what is your take on the, on the, um, the points coming off the board in the fourth quarter? Because Frank Vogel was hot about it. He was really angry. Um, could have cost his team the game, I suppose. And, and for those who didn't see it, essentially the Lakers had a possession in the fourth quarter where Kent Bazemore gets fouled, goes to the free throw line to make, uh, to, it makes two free throws and put the Lakers up 10. It was a foul on the ground. The referees thought that it, it was the, the, the fifth foul for the Rockets, putting them in the bonus. Multiple possessions go by. They are alerted to the fact that the Rockets actually weren't in the bonus. So therefore free throws shouldn't have been awarded. So during a timeout, the Lake, the, those points came off the board, those two Lakers points. So the Lakers went from having 116 points to 114 points. Meanwhile, the, the Rockets had scored five quick points. So all of a sudden, what was a 10 point lead the Lakers had is suddenly down to three. Um, now the Lakers were most upset because they didn't get the possession that they would have gotten if, um, if the, the call, the call had been, uh, if it had been officiated correctly and the call had been on the ground, the Lakers would have had a side out of bounds. They would have had a possession and, you know, an opportunity to score. Frank Vogel felt like once, you know, it was kind of settled history, the referee screwed up. You can't take the points off the board. Um, you know, the counterpoint is if the, the, you know, if the, if the Rockets had gone on to lose by one, two points, you know, or whatever, almost no matter what the result would have been, those two points could have swung momentum or whatever else. I think we can all agree that by the letter of the law, the referees handled it correctly. But, you know, Juan, do you agree with Frank Vogel that this is something the league should be looking at and that should change? Because, um, I mean, listen, we are about an, we were about an inch of that Kevin Porter three-pointer, which, which, by the way, was it was a good-looking shot. It was online. You and I were sitting, like, right in the, the path of the ball. I thought it was in. I, I mean, there would have been abs- absolute mayhem <laughs> if he had made that. I mean, Frank Vogel would have certainly been fined after the game. That, that's what I wrote last night. That, like, you know, the, the Lakers avoided a massive Frank Vogel fine with how upset he was, even with the win and with it working in their favor. I do think it's something the league has to look at and address, not necessarily just for this game, but for future situations moving forward. Because to me, mistakes are part of a game. I mean, how many times do we see, uh, like, you have that one uh, viral meme of, uh, like Kevin Durant being like two feet out of bounds on like the Golden State floor, and it wasn't called in. And I believe that was a playoff game. I, I think it was against the Rockets in a playoff game. Kevin Durant's like two feet out of bounds with the ball, and the refs don't call that. And like, can you re- retroactively go back and take that? Like to me, it's the refs messed up. They misread how many team fouls there were. They awarded the Lakers, and then realized their mistake a few possessions later. And like. I mean, I think the only real like if you're going to take the points away, you do have to give the Lakers another possession. So I, I don't know if that and it was Lakers ball when they did that. It, Lakers had just called timeout because Houston had cut it to five. Then during that timeout, that's when they reviewed it, took away the points. And all of a sudden it was a three point game. So in my opinion, if you're going to take away those two points, give the Lakers a second possession, uh, you know, almost like a game of 21 or something where with, with buckets where, you know, that they get their possession and then afterwards they get their possession again. Uh, but that to me would be the only fair way. Cause again, the, you know, the, the point of free throws and, and the whole team foul process is to reward the team that is getting fouled. And the Lakers did not get a reward for Kent Bazemore stealing the ball, having a fast break opportunity and being fouled. You know, they, they didn't get that possession back and they lost the points that Kent Bazemore earned at the free throw line. So to me, it's 
uh, again, like we, we can pick and choose where we kind of find the mistakes. There's always times players are stepping out of bounds. Sometimes there's a two versus, you know, versus a three that isn't called. Sometimes they review it. Sometimes they don't. Uh, you, you know, that, that to me is a little bit, you know, it's, it's a made field goal. You're just changing a two versus a three. But this to me was, uh, it, it would have been insane if Kevin Porter made that shot and the Rockets won and, and you know, the Lakers would have had a legitimate gripe, in my opinion, with the league, which is the way that this was handled. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, and you make a good point. I don't know how you can act. You could actually execute the idea of, of an additional possession. Uh, that just it feels like something that it's just not part of the game. So I just don't think it could be done. Um, but you know, and this, and this is more of a feel thing or a gut thing as opposed to an actual like interpretation of the rule, but Kent Bazemore getting two free throws does feel more like a um, just reward for what you described, you know, burning the extra possession, getting the steal and getting fouled. That does seem closer to like an honest application of what would have happened. You know, the, the Lakers would have had points. Like there's, there's no other scenario where the Lakers would have lost the possession. Like there's probably a, you know, whatever, a 40 some percent chance that the Lakers would have scored on the, on the sideline out of bounds could have, would have gotten two points. Maybe they would have gotten a three. So maybe the Lakers ended up, you know, we just don't know. So them getting two points or having the opportunity to earn two points via free throw via free throws feels like kind of the fairest thing that said the call was screwed up, but like, I, I just don't know. Cause Frank, Frank made the point and he's right. You coach totally different, you know, up two possessions with two minutes left than you do, you know, up one possession. So um, in, in a one possession game, two possession game. So it's, it's just really tricky. I don't know the right answer. Um, it's not something we've seen a lot of. And I think that's, you know, because generally the referees get things like this, right. I mean, that's a very basic part of, of officiating. Um, so to have something like that, uh, you know, get, get messed up obviously is a rarity. And it's one of those things where it's like, if they were, if this was something that was happening often, maybe the league needs to take a look at it. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those real rarities of, of, of rule enforcement, but I don't know. Anyway, what, what, didn't what, happen. Didn't happen. It, they didn't didn't ha- it was a race from, uh, from the play-by-play. I, I love that. There's just this gap in the play-by-play. <laughs> like Kent Bazemore gets a steal on his foul and there's no, and then, and then the Rockets just have the ball. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but what, one thing I want to touch on from last night is, uh, Mr. LeBron James. And uh, it, I know this is a Lakers podcast, but I feel like we don't talk about LeBron enough and, and haven't talked yeah. about him enough to start this season. Uh, and, and his numbers got a little boosted off of, off of last night, but entering or, you know, th- through the first eight games, 25 points a night, five and a half rebounds. That's a little bit low compared to his, his kind of career numbers, but seven assists, 2.3 steals. Uh, his efficiency has not been great by his standards, uh, but it, it is increasing. And he, he did have the ankle injury, which kind of uh, you know knocked him out. But 
I, I'm like to me, LeBron, his numbers are right there with what he was averaging last season. And last season's numbers declined towards the end of the year after he came back from that that uh, you know thirty plus game absence from the ankle injury. But to me, I've I've kind of been wondering the last week or so, like why can't LeBron James win MVP if he picks up where he left off last season, where he was the favorite or co-favorite with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid for MVP? Uh, you know when, when he went out in March against the Hawks, like why can't he do that again if he's posting the same numbers and this Lakers team is, is, you know, currently in the top four in the West, like I expect them to stay there for most of the season. Like, why can't he win MVP again? I feel like everyone's talking about Jokic repeating or, or Giannis or Luca or KD and kind of looking for anybody else, but LeBron. But I feel like we kind of had this dialogue last season of like, right. it's LeBron. Are we overthinking this? Like he's still you know, probably the best player in the league at his peak. Like what have you thought of his, his start to the season? And, just last night, I noticed he was taking the ball to the rim way more, yeah. and he had multiple finishes. He was also he was also picking on Alperin Shingun a lot. Yeah. Like I mean, I, that I was guess. a matchup that he just he just was just. I mean, when we talk about that that run in the fourth quarter where he scored ten straight points, I have to go back and look. But most, several of those were just drives against you know a a rookie who was looked like a fish out of water against him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there is some of that too. Yeah, no, I mean that that that's fair. I, I just also think like even to you know, through this game, LeBron's average shot attempt this season per basketball reference is 14.6 feet, which is the longest of his career. So this is the most jump shot heavy we've seen LeBron be to start a season uh, or at least, you know, through a season. And I, I don't, I, I do expect that to, to, you know, decrease. I, I think he'll start playing closer to the rim, but uh, you know what he said it after the game that he was excited for this game because he, he had, been rehabbing his ankle. He started to feel more like himself. And I felt just that burst that we, we, yeah. you know, that is the trademark LeBron burst. He's going downhill yeah. and it's just the, the slight misdirection where he can do things at six foot nine that nobody else in the league can do at six foot nine. And, and that to me was, we had seen it in, in flashes here and there, but this was, you know, I think he had two threes and a couple jumpers and everything else was at the rim. And, and that to me was, a departure from the way he had been approaching games through the first five. Yeah. And I mean, he's shooting on average this season, you know, through six games, um, you know, two more three pointers per game than any full season in his career. You're probably right. That comes down once the others, the Lakers, other shooters come back once Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, um, uh, someone else who's injured, I'm forgetting, uh, come back. Once they get those guys on the floor, maybe LeBron doesn't need to be the floor spacer as much as he has been so far. But I do feel like, um, yeah, I mean, we are seeing, I felt like we were seeing LeBron kind of round into form because he, he dealt with the ankle in what game three of the season against, against Memphis. And that's, and then, you know, missed a couple and then, you know, really played through it. Uh, and it did seem like last night was maybe the night where he was kind of over it you know he avoided something more serious with the with the injury against the grizzlies but it obviously was hampering him and i feel like he looked a lot better so your question about could he win mvp i mean yes but it is it is just interesting because it is such a narrative driven award and lebron is forever a good narrative candidate um and last year he would have especially been, you know, after having led the Lakers to a championship and coming back, you know, and, you know, the way he played despite the, um, the short off season and coming back and playing at such a high level uh, with really no rest was kind of inspiring this year, though. I think the narrative swings more 
Well, LeBron has so much help. Of course, he's going to look good. Of course, his team is going to be good. Um, he's got Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis to take the take the burden off of him. And I think that's kind of the, the knock on LeBron is can LeBron possibly do enough to win MVP while also making sure everybody else gets fed as well? And, you know, so far, I mean, you're right. The numbers are, are close enough to what he was doing last year that the answer could be yes. That said, I just think the Lakers would need to be, you know, really good. So good, so good that like, you know, you're looking at it and you say, well, the MVP has to come from the Lakers. And then, well, who's the MVP on the Lakers? It's obviously LeBron. Um, although I would direct you to my story with Rajon Rondo a couple of weeks ago, where he said that he wanted Anthony Davis to be the MVP. So um, obviously, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a divide in the Lakers locker room over who the MVP of the league should be if it comes from the Lakers. But, uh, you know, to me, I think it could happen. I think, you know, LeBron, obviously, no rest you know, votes. We, yeah, probably not. Right. Yeah, probably not. The turnovers. are, are Mellow though. Mellow Mel- might be. I mean, listen, the Lakers are going to have the MVP in LeBron, the sixth man of the year in Carmelo Anthony and rookie of the year, Austin Reeves. They're going to sweep full sweep defensive player Coach of the year. Of the year Frank Vogel for co- coaching Co- a top Coach, 10 defense yes. with, with yep. this group, <laughs> with, with this team. Yep. You know, what's interesting is because scoring is down around across the league. The Lakers were like 25th in defensive efficiency through like five games with a, a rating of like, I don't know, 111 points per hundred possessions allowed, which last year over the course of the full season would have ranked like 11th in the league, but because scoring is down so far, you know, so, so much in the league, you know, it, it looked really glaring and you know, dropped it down to 26 at the time. So not surprising that it's creeping up, but also not surprising it's creeping up when they're playing, you know, really bad teams. I mean, Houston, you know, is not a good offensive team, despite what we saw last night, you know, the Lakers held them to 85 points in, in, you know, the game on Sunday. So, there's, you know, they are, they are working with a little bit of a stack deck uh, in terms of, you know, making the eye test look maybe a little bit better than it is. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk about Russ. Um, you know, I, I think we got to do the, the weekly Russ check-in. Uh, I think this past week has been better. Uh, like the, the OKC game, the, the quadruple double with the 10 turnovers, that was sort of the nadir of Westbrook. Look at you, USC I, education. <laughs> of, of Westbrook's season, maybe. I mean, I, like it, it, it's tough to top 10 turnovers uh, in your return game to, to your former team. But I think since then, he's taken better shots. He's uh, handled the ball better in terms of just decision-making and, and, and not turning it over and predetermining his passes. And I think defensively, there, there's been a little bit more effort. I still think that my three issues are those with, with him in, in terms of I, I still don't love any Russell Westbrook three. Like If it's five seconds left on the shot clock, he's wide open. It's a catch-and-shoot situation sure take the shot but the pull-ups shots with 15 plus seconds on the shot clock like i don't love those threes from him uh the turnovers are still an issue and the defense like there was several plays last night where rockets guys got behind him either on cuts or on offensive rebounds and it's just he continues to not be uh, attentive when he's not directly on the ball um so 
you know, those are kind of the three issues I've had all season with him. Uh, I, I've seen some progress and, and, you know, some regression, but overall, I, I think Russ is trending in a better direction. I, I think, again, it, it's never going to be a perfect fit and there's going to be growing pains. And I think there's going to be more adjustment once Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker are back, because those are two guys who also kind of, you know, need the ball, want the ball as secondary playmakers, and they're gonna have to figure out that sort of fit. But, uh, to me, I guess like the, the Russ experience is getting better. And yeah. I think we expected this. We weren't really sure when, but, and as to your point earlier, like you got to factor in the competition. So um, I want to see Russ do this against Portland. I want to see him do it against Miami. I want to see him do it on that road trip, but I do think he is playing better. And uh, I know we've been fairly critical of him and I think it's been justified, but uh, you, you also got to give him his flowers when he's performing better. And I, I think he has been for the most part over the past week or so. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I felt like, you know, his, his threes when he's taken them have been, you know, at logical times. I don't think it's like he's been forcing things. Um, his turnovers have been lower uh, the last few games. I mean, like you said, the Oklahoma city game is really an outlier. I mean, there's only two games that he's had more than four, more than four turnovers, you know, in the first, in the first seven, um, and, you know, I feel like with Russell Westbrook, four turnovers is kind of an okay number, you know, uh, in general, I think that he has, you know, tried to do things the right way. I think he has been trying to adjust his game and he's spoken pretty candidly about it, that he's doing things that he's, he's needing to do things that he's never done. And I think this is kind of what everyone hoped for, or was, was kind of curious to see if it would happen when, when he, when he was traded here, which was, is, is the chance to win a championship for his hometown to play with LeBron James is that all enough to get Russell Westbrook to not change? That's too big of a word, I feel like, but to sort of make some compromises. And I feel like I feel like we've seen a willingness from him to do that. And over the course of a of a you know a long season, um, and especially with what we know about him as kind of a second half player anyway, I think it's encouraging. I don't know that it means it's going to work. I don't know if it means that they're going to you know win the championship, but I think it means that you know that there is a significant enough buy-in that, that they've got a shot. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned him doing, you know, kind of a, a adjusting his game. And I, I think I have noticed him screening more and, and that they have that one action where LeBron has the ball on the right side of the floor. He'll come down and, and set a pin down for 80 and 80 kind of comes up and, and curls off of that. And, and then they try to get him with a mismatch or at least catching the ball on the move. And like Russ has been getting better at that. Uh, but I, I guess a couple more things I want to touch on before we wrap up here. Uh, the starting lineup. And I think that that's been, it's been a point of contention on Lakers Twitter for basically all season. Uh, I think the second they committed to going big, there's going to be a lot of detractors and, and people upset with that. And the numbers have bored out where well, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but in terms of effectiveness, the Lakers best center combinations in order this season have been Dwight and AD one, 80 at the five, two, and then a distant third DeAndre Jordan and AD uh, as the the five and the four. So I, you know, I, I've been of the mindset start small, and I I was once they said you know DeAndre was a starting center, I was like, okay, let's evaluate this, let's see how it, it it's going. To me, DeAndre has been the least effective rotation player that they've had, and I'm of the mindset now currently that you either go with AD at the five. Or if you want to start big, you start Dwight because to me there's a big enough gap between Dwight and DeAndre 
that it, it isn't just a, oh, they're kind of similar. So like we, we like Dwight's energy with the bench. It, it's to me like you're playing a negative rotation player who, aside from getting wide open dunks that like, you know, what Westbrook feeds him in semi-transition, he's just not really doing anything. And I think it's really been like, he can still rebound. He had nine rebounds last night, but the defense, his pick and roll defense is just not good. And teams continue to feast on him. Uh, he, he's too low in his coverages. And even like Christian Wood took him off the dribble multiple times last night. And it's like, I know Christian Wood's solid, but he was making him look like like prime Kevin Garnett driving to the rim. And I just think... The- prime, prime Kevin Garnett would have scored <laughs> off that inbounds play with, with six seconds left. He would have. Um, but I, was DeAndre on the I, I don't think, think DeAndre was on the floor. Was on the floor um, so, I, I mean, yeah. And I, I guess I, I get that Frank... There's an engagement uh, kind of dynamic here where you, you don't want to bury the guy, especially coming off of a situation in Brooklyn, but that raises the larger question of why did you commit to him in the first place when, you know, I think we, we have a couple of years of evidence that he has not been an effective rotation yeah. player for a bit. So Frank said that they've liked this, the small unit, but he does plan on going bigger again. He didn't specify if that meant DeAndre specifically. He did leave that up for interpretation and said that he's spoken with both DJ and Dwight uh, about their roles, about them kind of vacillating a bit of you're, you're going to start some games, you're going to be the backup some games, you might not play some games. Uh, so I, I like the current configuration of AD, LeBron, Bays, Avery Bradley, and Russ. I would like to see that moving forward. Maybe you insert Wayne Ellington once he's healthy uh, and then roll with Dwight as your backup. What do you think of the, the, the small lineup versus the big lineup, how it's looked the past couple games? And I know, again, Rockets are probably the second worst team in the league. So I don't think it's a fair encapsulation of what this could look like necessarily, but I'm still pro AD at the five. Nothing I've seen in the first eight games has changed that. Uh, and I guess that that's kind of my stance until further notice. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I guess I didn't realize that DeAndre had been as uh, bad as, as you say he has been, but I, I take your word for it. And then, you know, I just like Dwight better. I, I just like him better as a player. And I think that ultimately the Lakers are their most lethal um, with, with AD at the five. And they have the personnel on the wings, I think, when they're healthy, when they're healthy, assuming Trevor Ariza can still be a contributing player at 30,000 years old, um, then I expect he's not even old, this guy on the team. That's not fair. But like, I, I do, I do feel like that's a guy who can help them and allows them to go as small as they want to go. So I think when they're healthy, I think that what you're saying is probably true. Um, but I think the Thunder game is going to be an interesting test because they started big against the Thunder in OKC and played really darn well. Um, until that second half collapse. So I'll be curious to see if it's DeAndre back in the middle, but also we don't know if Dwight's healthy and if Dwight's not healthy, I don't see them. I don't see them starting big. So it's where they are. Yeah. And that, that's another factor. We don't know what they would have done if Dwight had not been out and, you know, it makes it pretty easy. Well, DeAndre go to the bench, but let's wrap up here for Bill. I'm Yovan. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back later in the week after the Thunder game. Talk to you guys then. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.